In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of underdog today i have an incredible guest here with me coach tony how are you my friend i'm fantastic pamela what about yourself i am doing lovely i am so excited to have you here to share your story and all your awesomeness you've got so much good stuff happening in your world and i just can't wait to get into it so before we get into all that i'm going to hit you with my favorite question you ready go for it (laughs) what inspired you on your journey to where you are today What inspired me was protecting my brother. That's the starting point of my transformation was overcoming my own fear and uh, protecting my brother. How did that come about? Like, what did that situation look like with your brother? Well, I grew up in Northern Ireland where there was the political divide between Catholics and Protestants. Mm. And I grew up in a a working class housing estate. And there was a group of four estates together. My school was at the end of these estates. So I was brought up as a Catholic and the majority of these estates were Protestant. And to get to school, I had to travel through this. And the the school uniform was like a big uh, marker on our heads so that that made us a target essentially straight away because they knew by the school we were going to the what religion we were now we didn't care and we were not brought up to be like that but it meant that we got bullied quite a lot and i'm talking about when i was 10 11 12 13 here so it sort of it forced me into martial arts at around 11 or 12 years of age but i still never actually used them until we were running away a day and my brother fell. They started a group started attacking him. And uh, when I ran back to uh, protect him and pull him away, I of course had to sort of fight some of the guys to get my brother away. And I realised that I'd been putting these people on a pedestal and living off what was being presented as they were the bad guys and don't do this and don't do that. So I grabbed my brother and we left. And I realised they're only they're normal the same as me. And uh, it helped me build some, let's say, self-confidence. But it took seeing my brother lying on the ground, getting his head danced on for me to make that decision. And I was I was admittedly a coward before that. I had let them hit me and I wouldn't have fought back. And then it sort of gave me a bit of drive to think that why should I let other people control my life? And that has been my sort of ethos through my whole journey in life. Why should I let surroundings, environment, or anything like that control my life if there's a way to work around it to be happy? So you can structure that any way you want for business, for relationships, for whatever. We always have an environment or some sort of social conditioning that uh, tries to put us into some sort of box. Because of that, I never fitted in. And I was always an individual. And it wasn't until 
I, I got to around 17 years old that other people seen the journey I had went through of my teenage years of uh, through martial arts, through protecting my brother, through getting respect from these, let's just say, bullies. Then other people started asking me to coach them. How to, because, well, I grew up through an environment that was full of drugs as well. It was the drug capital of Northern Ireland. So many of the people I knew had started off on soft drugs and ended up taking then heroin. Some people had actually died by the time I was 17 and a lot of people ended up at rehab clinics and, and whatnot. And in the early years, I did sample it. And then as I started to respect myself more and my health, I moved completely away from it. That's why my life changed. I moved away from everybody in my circle that was leading me down the bad path. Of course, it was my decision, but it's your environment that sort of dictates your direction in life a lot of the time. And uh, so that's when I started coaching others. That's it. I've been doing that now for, that's nearly, I think, 27 years I've been coaching others. Wow, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, it's quite fascinating when you grow up in an environment like that, right? When you're surrounded by like bullies, by drugs, by all these things, how do you necessarily stay away from it, right? Because it's the peer pressure. Oh. Like, what was your journey and and your experience throughout that? I mean, I know you mentioned everything with your brother, but how did you kind of keep your head on straight? Amidst well, I didn't. That? The thing is, I didn't that whole time. Yeah. That was an on-off journey through my teenage years. That was trying to constantly fit in so you buy into peer pressure so that's when i did take drugs when i you know when we as teenagers drinking a lot as well but equally i was still working out i was still practicing my martial arts i had at one point three jobs so i was you know i think i must have survived on three or four hours sleep a night (laughs) and Ultimately, actually what happened when I when I reached sort of 17, 18 years old and uh, I started working in a nightclub as a doorman at the weekend, I was asked to be security and it was just a part-time job at the weekend and I looked at it as a positive thing in the respect that it filled my weekends to be doing something which mm-hmm. would keep me away from the bad side of the nightclubs and the group of people I was running about with at that point in time were all doormen. And they were into their weightlifting. I know a lot of them took steroids, but they were into weightlifting and martial arts. Mm. But it was it was having peers to work towards something better. These guys were much bigger than me. And my nickname when I was that, at that age was Farino, as in Lou Farino from The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> because I had spent all those years abusing my body between martial arts on one side and then all the all the badness that was involved so i think my actual hormone levels didn't really start working properly (laughs) until i started properly looking after myself from 17 years onwards and then i just i just massively put on a lot of muscle in those early years so i was like a skinny anorexic looking kid who then suddenly put on all this muscle and everybody thought I was on steroids but it it most probably was because my immune system was so dampened because of how rough I was during those teenage years and that it helped me develop so fast 
And uh, I think in a way that's what got me people that knew me from the teenage years who were trying to break away from the negative aspect of things saying, wow, look at the change Tony's made. I want what he's got. Mm. And um, So I, I actually started coaching some of the people that had been through the years bullying me. And the reason I looked at helping them was because I had people that helped me out of the hole I was in and the respect they taught me a different life, how to move away from it. And they uh, mentored me to a degree. And so I thought on oh, they don't have somebody that can actually help them out of that hole. And so that's why I took it up. Again, that's the protective element for me that I, I honestly really try to help as many people as I can. And uh, a lot of people don't like hearing about fitness and martial arts and all this stuff, but you know, if it can help somebody move beyond and have some sort of self-love, self-confidence and who they are, whether it's they need to lose weight, they need to get away from an addiction or they need to maybe get stronger, maybe need to put on weight, whatever it is, that, that's what I'm truly passionate about. Using my negative experiences to help somebody get to the goal faster. I love that. I love that, Tony. I love the passion in your voice when you talk about it. It's so exciting. I have a couple of questions for you to kind of reel it back a little bit. So what did you want to be as a kid when you grew up? Oh, astronaut, of course. <laughs> astronaut. astronaut or fireman. Um, I always said that I would um, probably work in IT or electronics or something like that. That's I had my goal on financial goals of fancy cars and I did manage to get some of them, but my journey started off a doorman at the weekends, but I was an engineer during the day. And the, the, the coaching was part-time at that point in time in the evenings. Mm. And so I went from being an electrical mechanical engineer into IT and electronics and eventually became a project manager. So up, up until about 2008, that was my full-time, daytime job. And would you believe I get so many clients <laughs> for my evening work out of my day job? Because, no I, because I never shut up about what I was passionate about. <laughs> that's so awesome though well because that's the thing right like I feel like especially in these um types of jobs or different industries where it's very much what is what would you consider is it the is it the the right brain the one that's very like methodical and mathematical and all that like they're very much right brain so they don't really like talk about things like emotions or like overcoming things or like you know like the life stuff I feel like that's more on the left brain side. You know what I mean? Like, up. Yeah, yeah that's so telling so about it. They're going, maybe I'll have the courage to chat about something yeah. like this. Yeah, so that makes total sense. Oh, that's a brilliant move. <laughs> that's so that, that was a good marketing strategy, wasn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, and you mentioned a little bit earlier that you had some mentors in your life that helped shape you and put you in the right direction. Who were, were some of them and how did they help guide you throughout the process? The, the beginning was some of the guys on the door that were 10, 15 years older than me working in the nightclubs so as much as I had martial arts skills I didn't have a lot of life skills <laughs> so <laughs> so they were teaching me I suppose how to make your best weapon is your voice and your mindset and how to avoid fights 
and how to, you can have all the skills in the world, but it doesn't matter if you're surrounded by a gang of people with weapons, you're going to get beat. So the biggest thing was about strategy and building rapport with people and, um, you know, avoiding fights where you can. And also then about awareness. The big thing was about awareness, which came into, I suppose, combat situations in clubs, but it was also self-awareness or safety when you're out places. And because of where I was, you had to be careful sometimes where you were going at night, say with a girlfriend or something like that. There's times I have been bottled and, you know, it's, it's, it's not nice, but being self-aware has massively helped make the best of a bad situation, let's say. So, um, yeah, they, they mentored me through the life skills, how to talk. And, and as a teenager, I never really had any girlfriends. I was an ugly duckling. And so what it meant was in my 20s, I was the gigolo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I, I was an ugly duckling who suddenly discovered that, wow, women actually do like me. So I spent those years in my 20s enjoying my life in that respect. But that teaches you a lot of lessons too about what to value in life and what's false, what's real. Right. And that's a hard thing to differentiate though, too, you know, especially at that age when you're seeing all these things for the first time. And what's crazy is you're handling the nightclubs in the drug capital, which is probably the most dangerous job you could have, I think, because if someone wanted to pull one on you, they could, you know. Wow. And then actually um, we progressed to a nightclub on the border of Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, which was, you know, that was a bigger concern because you have both, you had divide between Catholics and Protestants, and then you have divide between the North and the South. Oh. But it was also a, a, an amazing experience. I suppose you have to put yourself out there in life to face challenges, to to when you get to the other side, you're going to learn so much. Right. Absolutely. And and the last time we chatted, you mentioned that you did have some hardships as well, like spinal injuries and autoimmune diseases. Some people could look at you now and be like, wow, Tony's super fit. He's got the muscle. He's got everything going. Well, what they don't realize is, is that you've also been through some challenges yourself on a physical level as well. Absolutely. Whenever I prolapsed four discs on my spine, it was like my whole world was over. That's that's what I felt like. That was about maybe 12 years ago. But what motivated me at that point was a friend of mine who'd been in an accident and uh, he lost the power of his legs completely and ended up in a wheelchair. His name was Daryl. Daryl, as soon as he was able, was back in the gym, not able to use his legs in the wheelchair, climbing up on the bench. He fell off the bench many times, got on the bench to start doing weights. Over time, he got learned to get his balance back. He was doing weights. He was doing wheelchair road racing. I've seen him fall off the wheelchair on the side of the road and just push himself back up on it. And that massively, massively inspired me because what I had was nowhere near what had happened to him. And he just got essentially back on the saddle. And for me, I sort of, I was depressed for a couple of weeks and then I was disgusted with myself for being so weak-minded and I thought of Daryl and I just thought yes if Daryl can go he's still winning wheelchair races to this day right and if he can do that I can easily do it you know because I don't have anywhere near uh, the struggles that he has so I need to man the hell up find a way to get around this 
Um, and the way that was really good because it, it taught me to really dive deep into body mechanics, biomechanics and nutrition, nutrition for healing. Because a lot of the physios and treatments I was getting were only taking me so far. I had like severe nerve damage. And one of, one of the pictures I have on my website, um, it's actually me 90 days after I damaged my back and I was in a, like a Thai boxing pose. I wasn't in that shape. I had to obviously train for those 90 days to get in shape and I couldn't even use my core properly. I couldn't do crunches or couldn't do anything massively for that. So I had to be creative and find ways around it. And going in for even for a photo shoot at that day, I was limping in and then I was do, I, I managed to do a warm up. It's uh, I had to do a, like a, a nerve release, which lasted 10 minutes, which gave me about 10 minutes to jump about before the nerve would trap up again. <laughs> and then we got the photographs done and it was a case of I did this to help out. It was another coach. I actually had a photographer as a client and she says, Tony, you need a challenge. When you have a challenge, you work hard. So after that, I thought, you're right, I need a challenge. So I committed publicly to climbing Mont Blanc. And uh, I took up gymnastics as well. When my physio says, you taken up gymnastics. Now, I was nothing great. It was just to be inspired by the level of athleticism of the, the, the guys and the kids in the class to help push me forward. I was told that if you do a lot of that spinal mobility work and the bends, you're going to risk severing your, uh, that nerve in your spine that's already damaged. You know, you need to take it careful for at least the next year or two on that. I sort of thought, well, look, I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned if I don't. I'm in pain every single day. So you're, you're talking about surgery. Surgery's a 50% chance. So I'm going to take the risk and monitor it myself. All I could think of um, every time I was struggling through training, it was one of my friends was the instructor for climbing Mont Blanc. And uh, all I could think of was, I think this is hard. This is going to be nothing, nothing to how hard it's going to be climbing Mont Blanc. And that's how I talk myself through all the challenges that and push myself harder each time. And then just over a year, maybe a year and a half later, I climbed Mont Blanc and it was such an amazing feeling. <laughs> such an amazing feeling. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. I love, so share with me your, your mantras a little bit, because a lot of what you're doing is mental stuff, right? Absolutely. Mental work, which a lot of people, they see someone who's physically fit and they're like, oh yeah, you know, they're super physically strong. Like, that's great. That's awesome. However, it's more of a mental game than it is a physical game is what I've discovered. Which is everything's about expectation. Yes. I'll give a very, very simple situation. You know what interval training is, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you were saying, I'm going to go and do some sprint interval training, let's say you were doing 10 seconds of a sprint, 50 seconds of a walk, right? So whenever you start getting tired, those 10 seconds, as you progress in the intervals, are going to seem longer and longer and longer and longer. If you only count to 10 during those 10 seconds, by the time you get to around your fifth set, you'll actually be counting to probably 50 because subconsciously, if you've got the cardio to support it, you're going to be pushing harder to get it over with quicker. Right. So if you manage your expectation and say, I'm going to count to 50 each time, so you long ball it, right. your expectation 
is met and it's only equaled, let's say you do 10 sets, it's only equaled two out of those 10 sets. So your confidence is higher. Right. So if you use that like overreach mentality, that helps you deal with the now, the pain in the moment and get past it. Or that has helped for me. It's simple like if you're doing reps as well and you have 20 reps, count them in four sets of five. Chunk the goals down into smaller amounts and probably the same with your real estate investing. I want to have a portfolio of 10 by, let's say, the end of next month. I'll break it down just one at a time. What do I need to get one at a time? Yes. Yes. I love that that you said that about the reps too, because it, like, (laughs) what's funny is because I I do this to myself all the time. So the way that you break things down in your head is exactly the same way that I do it in my head. I'm like, well, if I do this, like, like the way that I used to look at school, right? I'm like, okay, there is uh, 12 weeks in this semester. So I looked at it as 12 weeks because when I thought about months, it sounded so much longer. (laughs) It's like, like you're still doing the same thing, but whatever perception in your mind that's going to take it, right? Like you were saying, four, you know, five reps of four, it's still 20 at the end of the day. But for some reason, your mind can take it in and be less overwhelmed when you break it down. And they call that principle too, chunking down. They got in my neuro-linguistics programming, NLP, that I'm certified in about that. Yeah, Yeah, chunk it down. And then it makes it less scary. It's fascinating though, isn't it? How your mind just feels better when you do that. Absolutely, because it's more achievable. It's the same if we're trying to create any sort of new habit. If it's in your mind a longer distance to create the habit, then you're going to stay away from it. You're not going to do it. For example, let's just use running as an example. So you're thinking about the actual run. But if you're, let's say you finish work at 5 p.m., you're sitting at the computer. If at 4.30 p.m. you put on your running shoes and your running gear, and then at 5, you knew you are going to have to maybe take some electrolyte drinks, whatever it might be, but by 5.15, 5.30, you're going to do your run. Because you've taken that small step, that gateway habit, to put on your running gear already, the chances of you actually going to do that habit are 10 times higher. Right. 100%. So it's just, as, as you say, chunking it down to the smallest component so that that can help you get one win out of the way and then move forward. I love that, Tony. I love that. That's awesome. And it's truly like such a amazing piece of advice, honestly, just in life and in anything. <laughs> like if you just break it down, it makes it that much more simple. Now, question for you, Tony. So when you transitioned from full-time into, like, how did you make that transition into your coaching world? Because again, you know, some people get stuck with these golden handcuffs of work, right? And how did you make that transition? And and what was that like? What were some of the challenges that you faced in, in that process? Because, I mean, you were in mechanical engineering. I'm sure it was a comfortable job. <laughs> IT, IT before I left, before I went full-time. Wow. So it was well paid, it was very well paid, and um, it was a credit crunch that happened. And I was going to be on the market as two years experience as a project manager, right? So at that time, all the people with 10, 15, 20 years experience were going to be on the market. And it was my actual uh, program manager who had coached, actually said to me, Tony, do you know what? What have you been doing all this time, part time? You need to go full-time at that. That's a, an obvious thing for you. And I did. 
And within no time, I had four boot camps running in separate towns throughout Northern Ireland. And I was doing between 40 and 60 PT sessions a week. An actual fact, that's when I started experiencing burnout. <laughs> and that's also around the time after a couple of few years of that, that I discovered I actually had an autoimmune condition as well. So it was uh, going from working for other people to my passion and putting so much work in. And then I was like, wow. But I didn't have business sense. And that was my problem. So time management was a major factor. If I could have cloned myself, well, if I could have cloned myself, I probably would still be back in Northern Ireland. So everything in life happens for a reason. And that's why I'm in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. I mean, you know, starting a business, especially, you know, when it's brand new to you, there's so much to learn, right? And then you mentioned burnout and every, <laughs> there's not one entrepreneur that I know that has not experienced running into a wall, especially when you're first starting. <laughs> first, and, and, and a lot of the time you don't even recognize it, right? So how did you recognize it and how did you push past that? Injuries. That was the lead up to me damaging my spine. It was all the injuries during martial arts. Um, because the martial arts had helped us so to be so bulletproof in the mind. Um, it was a case of if you had a an arm fell off, you would carry on that way. That's the way our instructor had us. Like if we felt sick, he would have said, go and be sick in the toilet and get back here. <laughs> so that's that's yeah, so that's in a way, the mentality of it. But the thing was, I was getting all these injuries and I couldn't understand what it was. As far as I was concerned, I was eating all the right things. I was getting enough rest. And then it went on for quite a while and uh, I had to work on uh, re-beefing re up my adrenal glands. I realized that it was adrenal fatigue um, from doing so much because I was working so much. I was still exercising because exercising actually was a stress relief believe it or not. And um, then it was actually my mom was brought in the hospital with something and they discovered that she had hemochromatosis. Um, that's iron overload disease. And then they says, you need to test the whole family because it's hereditary. And there's two sides of it. You can be a carrier or you can have the symptoms or you can have both. And it turns out I actually have both of the the chromosomes so uh but then that was actually a blessing because that was an answer that was a reason why did i keep burning out because my arm's too high my i'm the iron man <laughs> why do i walk through an airport and the, and the alarms go off <laughs> no, no it's not my piercings it's it's my blood <laughs> oh oh my gosh wow wow that's crazy. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Like, yeah. I never, never heard of that. So, so my body doesn't get rid of iron the same way um, most normal people do, which means it can cause uh, it can cause oxidative stress in the body, which will affect the heart, the liver, the adrenals, the thyroid, the joints, mass. So I also used to think I had massive, uh, I was diagnosed with um, arthritis from a young age after some of those injuries. And it turned out that it was actually the iron in the joints from the hemochromatosis. So again, I was like, thank you, Lord. At least we have an answer. That means I don't have to live 
I don't have to live with this pain the rest of my life. As long as I do certain things, I can work my way around it. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, at least it gave you some sort of understanding because you were kind of running into it. You're like, what the hell's going on with me? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm sleeping. Exactly. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm eating well. Like, what the hell's going on? Interesting. And wow. Wow. And you were still able to carry on, which is incredible. Yeah. That's why I'm so blessed that I get to exercise. No, I have to. I get to exercise. I got that opportunity every day. So as long as I'm able to do that and to look after my body, that's why I'm passionate about it. That's a beautiful way to look at it, though. I get to, not that I have mm. to. That's something I need to incorporate in my life. <laughs> that incorporate in my life. Well, sometimes you take it for granted, right? The fact that you have an able body that can do these things, right? And you sometimes you're like, I don't want to work out like me because <laughs> so, I don't want to work out. But Listen, I feel like that loads of times. <laughs> Look, all it boils down to is one thing. You have to ask yourself, well, why am I doing it? So if I don't want to be an athlete, do I need to train seven days a week? Right. You know, you have to put everything into perspective. Again, like I was saying about the goal setting, it's about the, you know, if somebody's exercising and restricting their diet, why are they doing it? Are they going to be an athlete? No, well, they don't need to be so restrictive. There's ways to do it without being so restrictive. And that's essentially what I teach. How to live a fulfilling life, enjoying the foods you actually like, drinking alcohol if you wish, and still be able to stay on top of your fitness goals. Yes, Tony. I was going to say, what are, what are some of like your tips and tricks and sneak previews of your coaching here, if you will? <laughs> well, most people put the onus on exercise. Mm. And I suppose we already all know this, it's all nutrition, but that doesn't mean it has to be rabbit food all day long. That doesn't mean you have to cut carbs. It doesn't mean you have to be so restrictive that you're going to binge at other times. It's all about finding um, those habits that can gradually fit into your life and then they become part of your lifestyle instead of becoming a stress in your life, because that's what fitness is all about, actually. It's removing stress from your life. I think that's how I look at it, you know, so it's for me to be happier within my life. And that's the way I think everybody should be with it. Yes. I love that, Tony. I love that so much. I love it so much. And you've, you've dropped so much wisdom throughout this entire interview. Like, I love it so, so much. And so now I have to ask you, this is my favorite question ever, is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Face your fears faster. Mm-hmm. because fear is usually an illusion that will force you in the wrong direction and if you face your fears faster you can achieve so much more and we all have fears we all have insecurities we all have things that we don't want to do i'm scared of heights for example and climbing Mont Blanc was a big deal for me climbing towards on the third day with altitude sickness out of this i hadn't slept properly we were there three days i hadn't slept properly I was altitude sickness. Every step was immense effort. A blizzard blowing in my face. Two people had died the day before. And all I could see in my peripheral vision, do you know the yellow skips, the the, the, the rubbish, the trash skips that go in the back of a lorry? I was seeing these in the snow. Like my subconscious was telling me, that's where you're going if you don't stay focused. I was like, what the Guys, do you see that? Tony, stay focused. Focus on the, <laughs> focus on the sun coming up over the top there. 
Wow. What? That's crazy. So you started seeing these things as you were, as you were listening. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. And two people had died the day before. Two people had died the day before. Not, not in our party, but the helicopters tried to rescue them. They fell off the peak and uh, yeah. Holy crap. Oh my God. So what kept you focused throughout that experience? Because first off, I'm afraid of heights too. So the second that I like look down at something, I just get like sick in my stuff. And I, and I can't imagine. And the legs go <laughs> and everything. Yes. So uh, I just, th- there, that's a thought process goes into the mind because you're thinking about the negative things. So right. you automatically try to control your breathing, let the adrenaline subside a bit. Mm-hmm. Like box breathing, four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. Come back into the present moment and then focus on something ahead that doesn't mean looking down. Right. Wow. And I almost feel like that's chunking it down too. You're bringing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Well, wow. Wow. That takes extreme courage and strength, my friend. I, <laughs> what you've you know done what, is tremendous. You know the funniest thing? See if I was going up through a lift. Um, to like a high floor, let's say the top of a penthouse or something like that. And that was a glass surrounding on the outside of the building on the left. And if I look outside and don't have myself in a controlled mindset, my legs will go on me. Unless I can control my mind, that fear is still there. I haven't, I haven't overcome it 100%, but I can control it when I get myself in a mindset. I've even skydived, but... I had to really meditate <laughs> to be able to go up and skydive. But it's that buzz, it's that achievement, that sense of overcoming yourself that is the buzz you get from it. I know, I can only, I mean, I've, I go on roller coasters and everyone laughs at me and they're like, but you're afraid of heights. Like, how does that work? And I'm like, because I close my eyes, if it has anything to do with looking down, I tend to open them when I'm at the top. <laughs> And I don't look down, then I feel better. That's so awesome. That's but whenever so- you embellish the, the good point of that, that overrides the negative. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I open my eyes when um selectively <laughs> when I'm on the <laughs> screens. Yes. Oh, Tony, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Now, in your world, like what's up in your world in the next like six to 12 months? What's what's happening? So my coaching is fully online now. So my goal in the next six to 12 months, I actually want to travel to the States as well. So in person, but my goal in the next six to 12 months is to try and impact another 500 lives. Nice. So it is. Um, help them get the self-respect they deserve. My program's called Operation Role Model. And it's about each person becoming their own role model because that's the reason why you would do a transformation after all. That's awesome, Tony. So 500 lives you're aiming to impact in the next six to 12 months. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And now you're fully virtual too, so that everyone can have access to you no matter where in the world that they are, which is even more awesome. That's it. And most of my clients are in the United States and Canada anyway. That's incredible. And you're in Dubai, yeah? I'm in Dubai. So there's no, there's no limitations. We have an app for exercise we have zoom calls with me they have my personal whatsapp number so it's uh, the only reason somebody will not uh, make progress with the program is if they decide to hide <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so awesome. And what's like a sneak peek of this program? What does it, what does it look like? What different challenges do you have? So the, the bottom line is understanding what's holding somebody back, you know, and if, if primarily I focus on weight loss and building that self-esteem. And when you understand what's holding some, somebody back, you can integrate those new habits at the pace at which will suit their lifestyle. And if there's somebody like yourself that's super busy and they, they don't have a lot of time during the week to spend on exercise and food prepping and all that rubbish, then it's a simple matter of we look at your lifestyle and we understand, right, so how can we look at what you've already got and just reorganize it in such a way that it makes it super simple and then you'll gradually build those habits over time that will get you to where your optimal self needs to be. And for most people, it only takes about six weeks to develop those new habits and then they can master what needs to be done. And then the key is just being consistent after that. You know, it's not a quick fix thing because I'm actually teaching from my experience the last 27 years how to manage your food and how to still eat your favorite food and not feel guilty because that's what a lot of programs will do. They'll say, stop eating carbs. You, you can't eat your your sweet stuff, you can't drink your alcohol, whatever. And I believe in that if everything's available, you've less chance of rebounding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome, Tony. That's so awesome. That sounds like such an amazing challenge and just could change lives. And it's going to 500 of them. I know you're going to get there. Not a doubt. I've already, I've already helped over 600 people. So another 500 in the next year with what I've got going on online should be achievable if i work hard on it <laughs> oh you totally will i know you will just five sets of 100 right <laughs> yeah that's all they have to do five sets of 100 squats and push-ups every day it's that simple <laughs> i love that coach tony so where can everybody find you my friend so probably best to look me up on linkedin um or my website so just look up my name tony scullion and uh, you can contact me either via LinkedIn or through my website, which is tonyscullion.com. And uh, we can get a chat, understand what your challenges are, and hopefully help you work past them. And within 90 days to six months, you'll be a new person. I love that, Coach Tony. Thank you so, so much for being here today, for sharing your story, your wisdom, everything. Thank you so, so much, my friend. Appreciate your time, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.